Hey guys, welcome to episode 22 of the JV Club. Uh, as you might be able to hear from my voice, I am a little under the weather, very nasal, and I recorded this podcast episode last night, also nasal. Um, so I welcome you to forgive me for that <laughs> because. Uh, I don't get sick very often, but I have been kind of burning the candle at both ends and, um, everybody knows a candle gets a cold when it is burned from both ends. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode despite, uh, despite the nasality and I want to get straight into shout outs and I mean straight into shout outs because I've tried to, I've, I think some shout out, uh, necessities have fallen through the cracks with this new job that I've been working. I've just been working so much and um, it's been harder for me to keep track of a lot of the things in my life that are the most important, including the wonderful comments that I get from you guys. I am so far behind in shouting out the iTunes feedback that I wouldn't be surprised if no one ever left iTunes feedback again. And that's really the most important for the success of my podcast. So I apologize for that, but so many of you leave iTunes feedback and then you also tweet me or Facebook me. I'm hoping that I'm sort of covering my ground um, better than I think I am. Uh, for those of you who consistently leave Facebook feedback and, and tweet me, um, I want to shout you out every single time you do it. Sometimes I don't, but um, this, is a long, this is a long series. Daniel, Emily, Alex, Jody, Ben, Mary V, Jasmine, Julieta, Ben W, Curtis, Eric, Oscar, John M, Ben C. That's a lot of Bens. Uh, and my name would have been Ben if I were a boy. I don't know if I ever told anyone that. I mean, on the podcast. Uh, Benjamin was going to be my name. Benjamin Varney. Uh, Shannon, Harvey, uh, D, DXana. It's D-X-A-N-A. Joel, Lou, Jay Shepard, Caitlin, Tammy, Jason, Jessica B, Michael M, Mike W, who grew up with me like down the street. Um, actually, he was two streets over. Uh, Paige S, Alice, Deanna, Liz D, and that's Liz with two Zs, by the way, and uh, Anton and another Jason. Thank you guys so much. Um, this podcast episode is, I, I would hazard to say it's the most emotional for me. Um, it's not a barrel of laughs. Kulop is incredibly brilliant and funny. And if you listen to her podcast, Who Charted, or follow any of the other marvelous things she does in her career, you know this already. But she did have um, a sort of extraordinary and challenging childhood and adolescence. And I knew that. So I, I, I sort of had the expectation that this might be an emotional podcast episode. But I never like to force that on anyone. So as far as I knew, we could end up have, you know, just joking about stuff and laughing and playing mash or using the cootie catcher. We didn't do any of that. Um, there was a lot to talk about, but I'm hoping that it will stir you guys in some of the ways that it stirred me and hopefully maybe be of help to some of you who might um, be struggling or have struggled in a similar or even different way. So thanks again. And um, I'm sure there will be more goofy craziness on episodes to come. 
But uh, for now, please enjoy this slightly more subdued, subdued and emotional, but hopefully still quite lovely episode. Um, I want to thank Kulop so much. She's a, she's a tremendous force to be reckoned with in the most amazing, beautiful way. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Right, the first thing I need to get out of the way is this voice. Um, I want everyone to take in that I've never been more nasal. I'm not sure. I'll tell you this. I get a lot of nice compliments about the sound of my voice, which I didn't have a sense of uh, until maybe last year. I don't. I didn't have a sense of my voice being pleasant or unpleasant. I guess I think I probably thought it was more unpleasant and charactery than pleasant. It's all going to end tonight. Today, tonight, whenever, whatever time of day, whatever day of whatever year you're listening to this, nasal Varney is going to dissuade you from ever thinking that I have a pleasant sounding voice. Um, I'm here with Kulap. Vilaisak, uh, I should say. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and her voice will be much less uh, nasal um, than mine. And I'll allow her to speak whenever she likes. Oh, I, could, I didn't know. There's no intro. There's no intro? Oh. No intro whatsoever. I think you didn't realize the power of your voice because you knew people saw you and yeah. saw how gorgeous oh, you are. Well. And so you could have a permanently nasal voice <laughs> and no one would care. <laughs> Uh-oh. Wait, no. There's more to come. <clears throat> Super phlegmy cough. Kulop has braved my sick den. I'm, listen, I'm not that sick. I've been sick for uh, uh, just long enough that I'm 100% positive I'm not contagious. I'm also not that sick. I never had the day other than Sunday was pretty bad. But uh, I never had that day where you're like, I think I'm going to die. It was never that serious. As your friend and not a doctor. Yes, <laughs> I mean, correct. You are not a doctor. I'm- in no way a doctor. Not even in a little bit of a you way. Are you are doctor. working your A, can I say ass? Is it okay uh, to swear? Yes, okay, you cool. absolutely may. You're working your butt off. <sighs> and so this is just, it's your, you know, you're a little tired. Yeah. You're a lot of tired. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah, I did, I did a, I, we were recording, uh, we were shooting yesterday and I felt like we, I, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that we were covering yesterday. And, um, Somebody was like, how are you feeling? And I said, to be honest with you, I'm so congested that I'm in a fog and it's forcing me to not give a shit. And it's kind of nice. And so the lesson that I feel like I took away from yesterday was, okay, so when you are firing on all cylinders and you're super anxious and you're just spinning your wheels with anxiety and stuff, try to remove the same amount of energy and piece of your brain, like give yourself a sort of fake lobotomy and just get back to the place that I was yesterday when I was sick because I just didn't have room to care. And it actually, everything went super smoothly. Room time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you get, I mean, do you, do you feel like you're able to sort of relax and, and let go of stuff in an organic way or does it take your body going, I'm going to shut down a piece of you now? 
Ooh, it depends on the thing. I, I uh, listeners, Janet Varney and I went on an astrological retreat. We did. So, <laughs> I've never talked about it on the podcast. I'm just going to drop that. I know that uh, one of my, my rising is a Gemini. Yes. Um, so let me go right off the bat, turn off anybody who's not into astrology. Let's, let's do it. There's... <laughs> I, I always like the feeling of uh, post-record when I can just sense uh, all the guys, especially. I'll, I'll just single them out right away. Yeah. All the guys going, done, and I'm done. And that's it. Um, uh, I'm very Gemini in that uh, I it's either lobotomy or, or like, hyper yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it depends. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it comes that part of me and my mind and my body and sometimes a disconnect is I have a, a kickbox with our mutual friend Kendra and um, there are just times where I have to really be focused. My mind wants to shut off sometimes and just freestyle yeah. even though we're doing it's like one, <laughs> two, body, body. Right. There's always this time when I was like, I'm so sorry. I just, my body says, you're going to do a cross. Right. Like, and just like, no. I am going no. to have a, a sort of a kickboxing tantrum. Yeah, it's not even like, it's just all of a sudden like, I've got this, I've figured it out and then I, I either want to go on autopilot or I just want to do my own thing. Yeah. So I think that happens also when I'm sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. Let's go back to the astrological retreat for okay. a second because okay. a lot of people are going to be asking questions about this. Um, I One of the things that I loved about what we did, and it's just hard to get into it. And also, I think it's we don't need to get into it because it's the kind of thing that it's, it is very much a you had to be there. Yeah. But I do what I enjoy about what we did. And this is a, a community of people in Los Angeles that um, of which, you know, some other people like June are a part. Uh, it's sort of like, what are the different ways in which you can get to know yourself so as to feel more comfortable in your own skin and improve yourself. And I did not, I don't know that I associate strongly with astrology, nor did I, nor did many of us yeah. before, during or after in some ways, um, this retreat that we went on, but it gave me a really specific window into my strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's something that a bunch of us went together, guys. Yeah. In fact, a bunch of podcasters all went. I'm sure went. if you follow Cool Ops, other appearances or Elizabeth Lame on Totally Lame, you've already heard this discussed and Gray Delisle. So we, they've already outed themselves. Sure. And I was outed on one of those podcasts as well as having been there. Um, I'm sure by me, <laughs> which fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, we talked about it on your podcast. Well, I think, you know, to, to piggyback on what you were said too, it's like my, my strengths, my weaknesses, and then a sort of surrender into them. Yeah. Um, that it's not, not such a fight. Um, of like this is how I am, like, and, and and because of that, it's like, oh, I can just be me. And then, on the flip side, to see someone else's struggles and to have full compassion—that mm-hmm. was such them. a huge part of it, too. Yes, it's like, oh, well, that's what they're working with. That's what this person is working with. <sighs> yeah, and to go, okay, and then so I can, I can give them a break, and I can give myself a break. Yeah. So it was a, it, it was very powerful and very beautiful experience it sure was wasn't it yeah you know what else was a powerful and beautiful experience i had a lemon cucumber before you got here that's all i had time for i raced home on my bike 
opened up my refrigerator, realized there was nothing there except for a couple of things I got at the farmer's market, including shaped like a lemon, looks like kind of a cucumber. And a, I mean, there's a reason it's called a, a lemon cucumber. I wish that I had saved even one sliver of it oh, to show my you. Gosh. But it's, it's, I guess they're, I guess it's a hybrid. I mean, it's from, it's from an organic um, farm. So it's not like they're doing crazy they're weird things. They're not hi- Yeah. They're not cloning and making yeah. monsters, vegetable yeah. monsters. Um, but it is shaped like a lemon and uh, tastes a little bit like a lemon, but it's absolutely a cucumber. Crunchy. Crunchy. A little tiny bit tart. I love a cucumber. Ooh. I just sliced it up and ate it, and it was fantastic. Delicious. Really, really good. I I've just, I, I know. I wish I'd bought more than one, but it was okay. an experiment. I was like, I, I clearly need to bring this to this home yeah. and, and acquaint myself with this. And it also, I, I, it's suddenly become very important to me to visit a working farm, which I guess I've done maybe when I was younger. I feel like I went to one when I lived in France for a little bit during my high school years, um, but. All of a sudden, it feels really important. Like, I I'm need to go. Very... I need to visit some chickens. I need to watch yes. some cows being milked. I'm very interested in this. Are we going to go? Very... Yeah, I would love to. Field I mean, trip? Do you... I would love to do a field trip. That, They're that... out there. Oh, yeah. No, we. Yeah. I, uh, I get a box of fresh veggies nice. from a, a, a co-op a little bit up north. They constantly, of course, the, the guy, the, the main guy, the main farmer's name is Jebediah. You... Can't be serious. So serious. No, it's not. It's Thaddeus. It's Thaddeus. Thaddeus it's is Thaddeus. Oh, Thaddeus is Thaddeus. is is, the, is a left turn from the most like typical and what you would expect, which maybe would be Jebediah. Yeah, Thaddeus, Thaddeus is lovely. That's a lovely name. I don't know the origin of Thaddeus. Thaddeus. I mean, it sounds like Greek or Latin, but Thaddeus. is it like a is it is it sort of an Amish or Shaker farm or is no, it just no. it's just he, a nice organic just, working yeah, farm? Yeah, it's an organic working farm. It's a kind of a co-op of a bunch of different farms, and uh, I get the. Uh, Los Angeles box, which is mixed of vegetables and fruits. never a lemon cucumber though. Never a lemon cucumber. No, I got carrots. I got I got plums and peaches and lettuce and radishes. But no, not a not a lemon cucumber. Lemon I'm cucumber, very, guys. I'm very interested in uh, gardening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested in um, uh, urban gardening. Mm-hmm. I think is very interesting. Um, I'm interested in Oprah's gardens. <laughs> Follow her on Instagram. Fantastic. She, her halls are just yeah. like they're so they're so Oprian. Yes. She's like, look what I got for my garden, and oh, it's just like, God, I love it. First of all, beautiful. Just the wicker baskets alone. There's that, and then there's like a dozen of them, overflowing with like fresh I mean, goods. I just put these this morning. Well, you're uh, you're describing uh, a similar phenomenon to what I experience. Although I will say I prefer. I mean, listen, I don't know either of these women. I have absolutely no idea what they're like as human beings. I think you get a pretty strong sense of what Oprah's like, and I do love her. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say. It's that same sort of like living in a different world. I talked about this a little bit with Maria on the podcast, but um, the Martha Stewart thing too, which yeah. even after everything that happened in the prison and da 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 da, um, I love. I do. I do do that thing, which I know a lot of us do, and maybe it's my version of the obsession that people have with celebrities. Although I'm, I don't feel that way about what brad and angelina are up to or anything like that i don't feel like i care or i'm comfortable with that but when a when a lifestyle of this sort of larger than life female character is presented to me as a gift to me like no i want to share this with you i want to share with you what my you know 
fifth home in Nantucket is like, or Oprah and her beautiful garden. Yeah. I am completely fascinated. I just went through, I just read to my boyfriend on Sunday morning. (laughs) I read him, uh, I read him out loud the calendar in the in Martha Stewart Living in Living or whatever they're yeah. calling it now. Her, do you, have you ever read this? Oh, her calendar makes me yes. crazy. Yes, I, I no longer. Have I gotta see a if I can find one. Yeah, you gotta find it. I no longer have a subscription, uh, I, but I will pick it up. Uh, like I will pick up O because it's the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. I am. I I'm so afraid that I don't have one. Oh no! Keep talking. Keep talking. Look, these two ladies are some badass bitches, oh, and they I, sure are. they're badass as much as they are bitches. And I still love them. I mean, but isn't that? Listen, this is not professional of me at all. <laughs> um, I'm still looking for the Martha Stewart living, but I'm now I've got the microphone in hand. Um, isn't that? I mean, that that goes to the whole like how. How successful are you able to be unless you can be a serious ball buster? I don't know. I think you have to be a ball buster. I think you do too. I think everyone, even guys, you have to be able to to bust these said balls. Do you feel like you have become more of a ball buster as you've yes. gotten older? And yes. do you feel like that was a choice or do you feel like it's something that's sort of evolved with time as you've gotten to know yourself better or do you feel like it's a combination I of both? I think it's always been there uh guys here it comes again warning astrology bomb but here my, it is my moon is aries and i think i i i always was this way and then i saw that when i would push too hard mm-hmm. and that you know being a ball buster or push too hard and saying what i think or going first or being loud that you know around middle school just about around then is when like maybe people don't react well mm-hmm. to that so then i started to kind of manage myself adapt to survive yeah and just kind of, and and then just kind of you know really just kind of hung back or try to be quiet try to be more accommodating and then as i've like really in the last 3 years where i'm just like let's let's get into this before i have a kid mm-hmm. which i very much want now of like let me what's what's really going on let me see what's this and so part of it's been like the love of like just accepting that aspect of me and that it's not something i need to always choose right but i have that and i i think i started developing really like early and just the idea physically physically yeah. yeah and i think because of that sort of Mentally too, your cat loves me. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, your cat is she's awesome. not a lap cat by any stretch of the imagination, and she has moved in on Kulop. I mean, both your dog. And yeah, your cat. this is um, this. I mean, they're. I mean, they definitely like to get in ev- in people's business, and they love the ladies. Um, but she never moves in like that. She's just she's, settling in. She's really sweet. Um, um, oh, what I was gonna say is um, my the com- being comfortable that I am. Uh, threat, threatening. I can be threatening. I actually can be threatening. That's okay. Because oh, I that is to... such that's so interesting. That's such an interesting word to use because that is. I'm trying to think of like a word that has power in it that makes me more uncomfortable, and I'm not sure I can think of one. It is really hard to think of yourself as threatening. It's easy when you're like 
when I'm riding my bike sometimes and I feel like I'm in my body, yeah. not to be like ridiculous about that, but I think in today's world, we do kind of disconnect from our physical selves a lot. And so it's important to find a way to sort of be in your body in that way. Then I kind of do feel like it's almost a survival uh, technique, though, when you're on your bike in LA. It feels like yeah. I better think of myself as a badass and not necessarily take risks, but feel like I'm empowered to own this part of the road or to keep myself safe or to. I think as a woman, just walking around. Yeah. You but know. you know, but I, and so I like, I think I like thinking about myself as being threatening in the abstract. But the second I think about somebody being threatened by me, like a real person, I'm like, oh, no, 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 let me get demure. Let me get demure. Like, let me, let me make sure this person likes me and it's okay. And I, mean, I want to fix the situation. Would be go so high. Like, me too. So high. <laughs> like, oh, everything. Like, like, all of a sudden, any way to like infantile. Yeah. Like make myself like it was just again survival. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. I I, I come from like a, a kind of a traumatic childhood, and then okay, so I started developing early, but like not really having the tools, not really understanding. Shall we put this into context? You want to sure. tell? Do you want to say where where you were, where you were born, and then what we can sort of you don't have to like get into it from from uh, birth to you know, adolescence if you don't want to, but if you want to give like a snapshot of that and sort of, or as much or as little as you want, I guess that's yeah, what I'm saying. I, um, my parents are immigrants from Laos. Uh, they came post Vietnam war. So they're, they're Laos war. is in between Thailand and Vietnam. Yeah. And Laos was the staging ground for a lot of us activity to get into Vietnam. Um, the secret war, which is not so secret anymore was there. And, uh, and they went from, fleeing fleeing to thailand and i was conceived in a refugee camp uh to flying over to dc where my mom gave birth to me Mm. and then within a month later uh because her uncle had kind of gone ahead of her had set himself up with a sponsor family in minnesota and that's how i ended up in minnesota that's where i where i grew up um until i was 18 and moved out to la Um, but you didn't live with your did you always live with your parents? I always lived, well, uh, mainly with, yeah, with my parents. Um, mm. My sponsor family, we lived with them for the uh, first two years uh, of my life, and they still remain in my life. Um, but yeah, mainly with my parents. Okay. Um, so my, my parents are immigrants. They come from uh, what is still a third world country. Um, hitting is normal. Um, like exce- what what you would consider to be excessive, what American families yeah. would consider to be excessive. Yeah, yeah, it was normal. And then, so then my parents also had to contend with the fact that they are in uh, a brand new country. They don't know the language. They don't have the tools. Uh, you know, I mean, the idea of, you know, your therapy or uh, parenting. These are things, you know, parent parental guidance from somebody other, you know. Yeah. They're going, they're on their own in so many ways. And so my parents and I started to learn um, English at the same rate. And I always say that we just, we just never had a chance because mm. I was born with a mouth in me. Um, some of was like, like who I know better. Uh, I, uh, they're not pronouncing words right. Uh, you know, so that's a face maybe that's saying that maybe you want to slap around. Oh, <laughs> yes. Please blame yourself. <laughs> For God's sake, please blame oh, yourself. Yeah, no, it it's. But so. I think, the, but I think there's something to. I mean, uh, of course, I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, there's something to the idea of 
you being evenly matched with your parents in an almost inappropriate way because of the language barrier and because of their adjustment to this new world that feels like, I mean, I don't know. It's it, There's something about that, that that feels really specific to me that, um, and by the way, I'm not condoning the behavior at all. I think I'm trying to understand it without condoning it whatsoever. But I think there's got to be something... I don't know. There's just it just seems like your your role as a parent, particularly from a, tradi- a more traditional. I don't know. However, we think of of American parenting. If there's um, again, like I'm I'm just speculating on all of this. So please, no one uh, write an article about me and my lack of knowledge. But I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is it would. It just seems like when your parents are are compromised in some way and you're a a kid who's picking things up and fast and acclimating and it's not like you're unlearning anything like this you sort of would have to as an adult coming into a new environment um no wonder you were total sassafras because i'm sure you were impatient with you know what i mean like i would be i would be impatient with parents who were like i'd be like come on guys come on yeah, Get with it, I which think, isn't your, which is by right. no stretch of the imagination your fault. No, no, definitely not. And I think, you know, it's a term that I've learned um, rather recently based off this, uh, but I think I was born uh, narcissistically wounded. Mm-hmm. And that term I learned from reading um, Are You My Mother by Allison, I'm going to say her name wrong. She also wrote Fun Home, mm-hmm. which is a graphic novel. Um, this is her. It, really about her and her mom's relationship and stuff like that. But she, she is a, she's obsessed with this child psychologist, uh, uh, Winnicott, Charles Winnicott. And that's, mm-hmm. it talks about the narcissistic wound where a child is almost ri- is risen to the level or is put to the level of spouse and that, mm-hmm. um, they boundaries of what they're told about, you know, the, the parents relationship uh, about the inner workings of their relationship um, are held as maybe a confidant. Good. Usually it's like the oldest child or the only child mm-hmm. and who start to learn that that's how they receive love and the, the personality sort of like kind of goes from there. Sure. And so I'm like, you know, me and my parents are having this experience together, but yeah, like, and that's the main problem with my parents and I just like boundaries of like what's said to me and then but then the constant pull of like who's in who has authority in anything yeah (laughs) it was like it was a constant like who has authority like like uh well school says that you're supposed to brush your teeth like before or like right after you eat and my parents are like right when you wake up and those would be just like bitter rows Interesting. Yeah, of just like, you know, that's a minute thing. But like, yeah. So was, you so you were so you were sassy. I don't know why I keep using that word. Cuz you know I am. You were <laughs> sassy. You knew what the result would yield. I mean, you knew you knew that you'd be smacked around, no? And you did it anyway. What's yeah. that about? <laughs> uh, yeah, cuz I I also I always knew that they weren't they weren't right about certain things. And I, it didn't, when, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, immigrants came from Laos at uh, one time. Um, a lot of Hmong people at one time, too. 
Um, so I was around a lot of kids kind of in a similar situation of that living two lives, different at home, different at, at school. But what I, I had cousins who very much put their head down and just kind of, and I just, <laughs> it is something about my personality. I have a problem with authority. I love it. But yeah, I just was like, that's, that's not right. Yeah. yeah you, yeah, you, you're getting angry and you're yelling at me and I still don't, I still don't buy it. I, yeah. I think that's, that's amazing that you had the the presence of mind and the kind of fortitude to have that to take that authority for yourself and say this is not cool. I mean, I'm not saying that you said to them this is not cool. No, I'm sure I said more awful things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think that would be cute if I would have said that. Hey, mom, this ain't cool. I'm well, staging a protest, and you had like signs. All we oh, are saying, adorable. yeah. Yeah, but if, like, you know, your mom's, like, mad at you and she keeps constantly telling you that she found you in the garbage, I, I go, I don't think that's right. Did she <laughs> say one, that? I know you didn't find me in the garbage. So yeah. she would just say horrible things to make oh, you feel no. terrible. Our game, our game uh, was definitely, like, she would, because, you know, sometimes sometimes my play, if I, you know, I would get in trouble for talking back. Like, it would just, like, the... it would just get worse and worse if I would talk back, right? So then my thing would then not to say anything and not be affected, which then then her play would be to just, like, level (laughs) anything she could think of at me. And, you know, I I messaged this in another podcast, too. So it was, like, so it was just kind of regular beatings, mainly by my mom. For And I would do... Mainly by your mom. Mainly by my mom, yeah. Yeah, which comes to play later when I find out uh, that my dad's not my real dad. And How old so, were you when you found that out? I was 14 years old. Perfect age to find out. Great time. Great, great time. Uh, 14 years old, and my parents had gotten in a fight, and um, I had defended my dad, and my mom, full red face, looked at me and goes, why are you defending him? He's not your father. Oh my God, cool up. I cannot believe that you found out at all. Like that, that would be the context in which you would find out. That's like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, that's a nightmare. But then it also is one of those like really. Did it make sense to you? Points. I think. No, not at completely. The time. There was like, no the part time. of you that was like, oh, oh actually, no. I suspect or nothing. I mean. Just, just, it doesn't make sense. Like, oh, now when I have a little bit more, by by no means do I have a complete picture, um, because my my mom is like a sphinx with questions. Mm. But um, at the time, it's like you know, like yeah, okay. Now I think, okay, well, that's weird that I saw two different birth certificates. One with my last name, which is my Vlasak, which is uh, my fa- my dad's. Oh, adopted dad's last name and one that's son of Vongsai, which is my mom's maiden name. So that is, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Weird. Maybe I think my mom says, I'm like, oh, that was just like a mistake or whatever. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, that I am a full foot taller than both my parents. Mm. Um, okay. Like, you know, and I have younger sisters. They see, they, they're, um, much younger than me. Um, but they are quite short as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But see, I th- always thought that I looked like my dad. And, and part of it is because my mom and I just, just again, just we always 
butted head. So I think part of it was like, I hoped that I sure more like my dad. Sure. But yeah, like when I found that out, it's just because your mind doesn't, it wouldn't make sense. It just wouldn't make sense that he wasn't. This is the life that I've led. The, it, the, all the pictures make sense. I wouldn't think any other way. My mom, when she I was destroyed and destroyed and then her her trying to make it better you know she's like don't you remember when you were two and you stood in the courtroom and you pointed to your father and said that was your father when that was when your dad adopted you that was i'm like no i don't i don't remember that like that wouldn't make sense because i think i you you gotta know that i didn't know that mom because First of all, you know, it says something. <laughs> like, yeah. Our, our roles yeah, are we're all just living. Yeah, we're all just <laughs> yeah. living with this thing that we're not talking about, even though we yeah. yell about everything else. Yeah, it, w- it just wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah, it was really, really, really awful. And then you start to go and go, whoa, like that feeling when everybody, everybody seems to know about it and you didn't. Like all like the people, oh, all of my caretakers, God. all of my babysitters, all my sponsor family, when my mom was with when we were with the sponsor family, the first year my father was there and I've had, there was these pictures, these Christmas pictures, uh, one of my first Christmases and you know, me and tree, me with my sponsor family. And then when I told my sponsor family, they showed me parts of that, that film role that I never seen where my father, my biological father's in it. And that's just, and so what's the story with your biological father? He, now that you know, and how long did it take for you to get these bits and pieces or did it, did you get nothing at all? And then just suddenly, I got a lot, I got a lot the first day and then a little bit more during the week. And then it was back to, well, to explain, um, my mom, I, I was, I ran, I was like, mom said that i'm like oh this is just another horrible thing mom's saying at me right and so i run to my dad and i'm like dad mom saying this and then he just looked at me and i was like oh man like this oh my god and so then i just like took off i just ran outside and have shoes on just ran until i could i just couldn't run and then i was like where am i gonna go and that feeling when you're i mean just from even smaller things that happen when you're younger and you're tied to your parents and your home in that way i can't imagine how it must have been to be like and now i get to sleep in this bed every night from here on out i would just you must have felt like you wanted to explode i mean that feeling you're describing though was just about every day. But even leading up to that point. Yeah, of like I'm tied to these. When two? did you ever like, like did I'm you have did you have an did you have an opportunity to I mean, I know kids are resilient. I mean, did you have an opportunity to relax ever? It just seems like you must have been tense and I mean I just can't no. ima- I mean, I was not that happy of a kid, but I definitely can't imagine just no, feeling I'm, like I'm trying just balled up inside all the time. As been desperately trying. That's why I went on a uh, astrological retreat. That's why I do all these weirdo things. Um, I as again. So when you go back to the game with my mom of the like outwardly, I'm fine. You don't affect me. Um. But inner my inner working, I, I still, and I'm desperately trying to quit, 
acting like I'm living in trauma when I, I, my life is, I live a charmed life. Yeah. My life doesn't even come up to what I used to deal with, but because every day I would come home and not know what was going on and have to figure out what lie, how to avoid that cat and mouse game, not getting hit or not getting in trouble or not, you know, it's, it's, it starts to just, just habit, just habit. It was always tense. There was always something, something could explode. Now, oftentimes I would not help the situation. <laughs> oftentimes I would exacerbate because I think that I'm some sort of but what's, criminal what's mastermind. Gonna help, but what's going to help a situation like that anyway? You know what I'm saying? Like, well, what's to be expected? Like, what, like, in what way are you meant to conduct yourself to take responsibility for that somehow not happening? I mean... I can't imagine. That's too way too much responsibility for a young person. Here, Kulop, manipulate this situation to avoid this happening because that's going to keep you from... I mean, you're going to feel miserable no matter what. I so th- I think there yeah. is that sort of explosion of like, I know it's coming. Maybe I can control when and how if I act out. And also, too, just that control you're describing goes back to that idea of like what we were, we were talking about when we were like talking about being a threat or being... Um, of just like, for me to just... I remember my friend saying, "Like you seem like you you seem like you're a, a like a salve or like when I'm around you, it's like a bubble bath, and that's great." But I also, in that moment, I knew that's all by there's a bit of manipulation and design in that. There's a, bit, a, a lot of control in that. Now, do it's not that I don't love or that I don't. I'm not. I don't mean those things. Or I'm. Or I, I'm. A sociopath. <laughs> it's not, uh, but what also wouldn't happen is I wouldn't also bring myself. I would be like, I want to make you feel good. I want to make you feel good. And and if if asked how I felt or if there was something negative, I didn't want to bring that up or I didn't. And and that was really hard for me to be be intimate. Sure. With people, so there wasn't a lot of intimacy growing up. Not a lot of trust growing up. Did you, so how did that, um, to get more specific about your adolescence, your your high school years uh, in Minnesota, did you, your friendships, did you feel like you were the person that other people came to for comfort or was it even more superficial than that? What was it, what were your friendships like? Yeah. Specifically high school. Um, well... <laughs> And when I, were your sisters born? How much younger? Uh, they are um, uh, nine and eleven years younger than I am. Okay. And um, so you had like some young kids scampering around when you were yeah, and they they were for the most part in my care. So not only was I expected to do the stereotypical Asian, you know, get the best grades, get you know. Uh, I also had to do the laundry, everyone's laundry. I had to clean the house. I had to uh, take care of my sisters. I had to take them soccer practice to all of that. That was that was also part of my duty. I also had to have a job. So you didn't even really have time for friends? I wanted friends. I mean, I had friends, but I actually kind of think it's it's kind of like a defect, the fact that I don't have like a lot of friends you know, and some people have friends, you know, from kindergarten or, or middle school, or I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of that. <laughs> like, 
part of it too is because like you know the real intimacy i didn't want people to come to my house and this is horrible i was like i don't like how it smelled it's like asian food or like mm. it you know it, it was there was so much duty that i had to do and i tried to keep that separate i kept, kept lives so separate you know did you so. like going over to other people's houses i or, do yeah. i loved it i mean that was but that that i mean it's also stomach from like i wanted to live with my sponsor family like they it was like this white baptist family with like five older brothers and they wanted me to live with them they wanted to adopt me actually and it's just my mom wouldn't let me go and she sh- she shouldn't have but can you imagine <laughs> Here, just to, to give you know my parents look i don't talk to them and I, but i want to be really even-handed about when i speak about them too um uh but it's like just imagine like you you bring you have your kid in the u.s it's, it's a better life right and then you're coming from a refugee camp and she's going i don't want to eat shrimp like <laughs> i don't want to eat like you you've You've you own a home after five years of being in this country. Wow, that's and impressive. You own a restaurant. Wow, after five years of being in this country, your own restaurant. Wow, and there are small food, and I I want McDonald's, <laughs> like, right? And then on top of it, that I want she, my mom had to know how and um, how I wanted to live with another family, and uh, how painful was that but which comes first the chicken or the egg like of course you wanted to live with another family because your association with your own culture by virtue of how your parents treated you and what your your experience with them was of course you wanted the picture book version of something that and that was always kind of a thing too because like when they when they wanted me when i was like two when my when my mom when my uh bio left took off my mom started dating my dad. I think, and so he just left. Time. He didn't want to be a dad. And no, apparently he. Uh, I heard from my mom's friend. I only hear things about my family in really inappropriate ways. Um, but my mom's close friend said that when he didn't want my mom to be pregnant, like they they came. I think his idea was like we came to start a new life. Like, and he didn't want her to be pregnant, and he kicked her when I was when she was pregnant with me. And it's just not mm-hmm. something he wanted. And so... Do you think that she somehow was taking that stuff out on you? Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> when you know, I talked about those pictures. I always thought I looked like my dad. I look like my biological dad. Like, wow. it is... And she even said, when she's like, she's like, I, I see him in you. And it's like, <laughs> like... I can't, yeah. That doesn't bode well for you. Again, back to, like, I still go back to, like, we just never... We never had a chance. And there would be, I mean, there was, again, to be fair to my parents, there was definitely a lot of push and pull too when like someone was ready to be there. And, you know. Had you felt like you had an ally in your, who, who you thought was your biological dad, but who was not? Was it, was, did he also abuse you or, or was he a little bit more of like, st- like stepping back and kind of acting as a quiet ally and, he would sometimes be my ally. I mean, he's still, you know, very traditional, like, too. But, yeah, definitely. My mom was very yelly. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't so, so. And when you found but, out that he wasn't your father, how did that change your relationship to him? Or did it? I think it... I mean, he, I remember he, after I ran off, then I kind of, like, like there was a pickup truck in our driveway, and I just kind of laid there, pick up 
truck bed crying looking up at the stars and he came out and got me and he put me to bed he put me in bed and uh he just told me he he loved me he uh you know he loved always treated me like and he did he always like i was his own and stuff and i mean we have our own problems too i yeah my main i guess my main Issues have been with my mom. She was so aggressive. But if nobody's standing up for you, it doesn't. I and mean, there's there's a there's no. there's a passivity and there's a enabling that's happening well, with the other parent. With my dad, when he would yell, he'd be even scarier. Sure. Then my mom, then we just just back off. With right. my mom, we'd go toe to toe, head to head, on just yeah, on everything, <laughs> on almost virtually everything. But you know, in that same moment, my mom. It, he put me to bed and then and my mom woke me up like an hour later or something. She's like, I want you to talk to someone on the phone. I'm like, what? And she wanted to make it better, but she made it worse because she had called my biological father's brother who lived in Mountain Lake, which is like an hour south of where I was living. And so now she she shoved a phone in my ear and now I'm speaking to people that I have no who knew about me, who oh, wondered God, about that's me. That's so weird. And who and I'm and it's just like this is within like we're talking like three hours of me getting the initial news, mm. you know? So I'm just like, what? What is happening? Like I don't Well, and to your like, point everything you were saying about like everybody else knowing and and this is how you're finding out and, and, and there that there would even be someone to call who like here's another person who knew about this that well, I didn't we've know. We thought about you so much and let's get together, let's meet, and then I talked to a cousin, a girl cousin, and I just it's, it's weird. And then then the, the time that we were supposed to meet, a week passes, two weeks pass, and I don't know what's happened. And then I hear my bio, who's in Laos, he basically went from what I have been told, went Ugh. from Minnesota to California. I think he had some kids there. Then he got kicked out of the country because of tax evasion or fraud or something delicious like that. Goes back to Laos. He's in Laos now. He has, I know, at least a son. He's remarried. Um, so hit my biological father from Laos, talks to my uncle, my biological uncle in Mountain Lake, and tells him that he doesn't want him to talk to me for fear that I would want money from him, some sort of. And so now this man that I never wanted to know, like I, I was actually kind of like, I don't care. I don't care. Right. I have a dad. I don't care. He, it's like, it, he has rejected me. <laughs> like, he yeah, has, you let him in just enough or you were, you, you were, he was let into your world. Yeah. So I was rejected by him. I'm his progeny, basically. Twice. Then, like, basically yeah. twice, at and least. And then um, my uncle and that girl voice cousin, <laughs> they're gone. And then also, I mean, I just, you know, I don't think too hard on it, but, like, I have half brothers and sisters. You know, who knows? Who knows what I have out there? But he... And at 14, now, we can all remember what 14's like, right? Well, that's what I was going like, to say earlier. My heart, That's why your heart, my heart is just extra breaking, because... It is so hard to be a teenager with your with all the things that are just happening naturally to your body physiologically and that and to your mind and to your heart and all of that stuff. It's hard if you have the most perfect upbringing in the world and to find that stuff out, to experience everything up to that point that you experience and then to find that out. I just can't even. And I was in a hip hop. I can't stage. even. And you were in a hip hop phase. <laughs> Oh, it was a lot of like, <laughs> it was like, it was a perfect start. 
Love it all. <laughs> hip hop. Please yeah. tell me that there are photos floating around of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you some photos. <laughs> okay, good. What does that mean in terms of how you dressed? I'm totally lightening it up for a second. Oh, you well, brought it up. Yeah, no, I mean, it was. Uh, Were you baggy at pants the in it? Of it? At yeah. the height of it. The height of it, it was size 40 Jankos. I was smaller then than I am now. So size 40. <laughs> Jankos, which if you guys remember Jankos were, they were just like very big, vo- voluminous, almost like bigger than Bell at the bottom. Yeah. And then I would... Like, how um, did we take a step without tripping? Oh, yeah, you and couldn't. You That's would, why yeah. you had that specific walk. Right. Yeah, and you had to pick it up. And a stuff. lot of managing, a lot of managing of, managing. of that wardrobe. Yeah. I'm a great manager. I'm a great producer now. I think there that's why. That's how. I'm sure that's the foundation for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, because I hung out with a lot of um, Lao bloods, uh, that again, Minnesota, Lao. As in, it's like we're we're taking, a gang. <laughs> yeah, as in I know gang. you're really <laughs> siphoning it down to like a very really specific group. Really boiling it down <laughs> from yeah. a small section of the population. Uh, to a niche, sure. <laughs> to a band of people. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I think yeah, the, the the amount of people who can specifically empathize, not sympathize, but empathize. I'm not sure what my listenership of Laotian, Minnesotan ex hip hop ex bloods yeah. are, I but mean, I welcome you to reach out and like yeah, who I know I you're mean, listening. Well, so so I'm 31. 32 i'm not 31 girl <laughs> i'm 32 own I'm 32. it and so this is the time like so what's happening and that i'm not aware of is nirvana smashing pumpkins mm-hmm. uh, k-rock k-rock you know what i'm into is bone thugs and harmony snoop all of like uh, NWA and it was a little earlier but so then that means Dr. Dre um, I'm into R&B music uh, I'm into yeah I mean I think it was French class in 7th grade when two girls came in wearing all black because Kurt Cobain died and I'm just like I don't understand I like, can't relate to that yeah. I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> like I'm I'm hanging out with other Asians who have co-opted black culture actual black people because they were you know we were all minorities in yeah. school um and we we're in a step team together <laughs> oh you did step <laughs> i did well, do step i'm excited about the fact that you did step but i do have to i mean i can't gloss over the fact that we're talking about bloods now uh, was oh, there no, violence yeah. i mean were there oh. carrying guns yeah. like what was oh, going I, I on oh i got there? into the blood thing because i hung out with them and so i would wear a lot of uh calvin klein stuff so that means ck that's mm-hmm. crip killer the CK is Cripkiller, so that I would wear like. Um, I'm uh, sure that's what Calvin Klein intended. Sure, he, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? He, he was like, I, I, I created this unisex fragrance <laughs> CK one <laughs> for everyone, not for <laughs> suburban wow. like wiggers and yeah, yeah, like and Asian kids. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, but I would wear, and then I would wear like a little CK one baby tee, but like the underwear would Calvin Klein underwear would go above the size forty Janko. Sure, and then like the whole full on like dark lipstick or brown eyeliner as lip as liner, lipstick, and then sure, nothing in between, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like you know I'd wear like, but sometimes I'd I, I also had like friends I I knew some people who were in like a Vietnamese 
um, Crip Gang. So I wasn't just Lao people. It was mainly Southeast Asia. <laughs> All right. It's, it's but, getting bigger. So, hey, listen, the circle's getting bigger circle. again. <laughs> so I wear blue rags sometimes, too. <clears throat> and That um, seems uh, dicey. No? Could you not get in trouble with one I mean, or the other? Yeah, from... But again, it's the suburbs. <laughs> like, yeah. You were Romeo and Juliet. I was. I was. <laughs> Uh, Capulets and Montague. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and uh, fighting, yes. Uh, yeah, so this is all rumbling, all of like gang culture, you know, all that's rumbling up. Um, and as usually like some white kids, but a lot of the minorities, including Native American, um, uh, Cambodian, like that kind of really started the dress started to change my i started talking different like i remember talking to some guy and he was like you sound white and i was like oh let me fix that <laughs> and then from that point on yeah like um and yeah so we would get into like i i we would get into fights i never really got hurt that bad like i i remember the first time oh I, my god you were going through shit at home so you i mean yeah that's true. sort of like a a, th- a callus built up in that way that's I true imagine. like middle about middle school i i was talking smack about some girl her name's hope and um I, I i was making fun of her to her cousins because she got in a fight with a girl named asia uh who's black and um Aja, uh, like, kicked her in the stomach and then she peed. And then I was, like, talking smack about that. So then Hope heard about that. <laughs> and then she, oh, we were by the buses. She came by me. She started it off. She First thing she did, she, she took my glasses off. Because uh, I also have glasses. <laughs> well, that's, you know what? I'm actually really glad. That's a perfect segue. Thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. Because what I was about to what I was waiting to say, not to say that I wasn't listening to you and just waiting to say what I wanted to say next, because that's not the case. But what I was waiting to say was, this just goes to show that people have serious levels, no matter what age they are, because I also know you to be a total nerd. I know that you buried yourself in books and comic books. And I know that you were a thinker. And I think what you're describing is this kind of person that a lot of us would write off, you know, it's like, I don't, I can't relate to that person. Like where that person's not, you know, like interested in storytelling or in, and like this, you were a perfect example of don't judge a book by its cover. Literally, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. But, um, because I know that of you. So how does that all fit in with your glasses? Well, to think about it is that if you, I think it'll make a lot of sense when you think, I wasn't happy at home. I wasn't happy with the family. And then a gang culture means It's exactly that. what people talk about. It's exactly yeah. what it's exactly what white middle class people talk about when they when they try to like and I'm absolutely I don't know if I'm yeah, I guess I'm guilty of this. I wasn't always like a middle class white kid. I mean, I went to school and all my friends, I went to school in a body and stuff, but but that thing that we, the way we try to understand from the outside gang culture where, where we say, you know, well, it starts with a family and the family's not sound and then the gang culture and then that's where you go. Where else are you going to go? And, but there's, re- I mean, there's reasons like, that people talk about it that way. Yeah, I don't feel like my parents had my back. Yeah. So I was looking for people that, that would, you know, and I never, because I still, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, I got in trouble when I was younger uh, like grade school and stuff was I would get in trouble for not sleeping and I wasn't sleeping because I was reading. Like I'm a big reader, still am. And yeah, and and now uh, yeah, I'm very much a comic book nerd. But yeah, it was it was that it was for for, for 
to have friends, to have family. That's that's really what it was. And to kind of just be accepted. And how do how do uh, guys factor into this? Because I know you mentioned that you developed you developed early. I'm wondering if you're comfortable talking about it. Yeah. If if another way to feel accepted or to you know feel loved in some way was like to give yourself up in that way, or if it wasn't, if you were, if you. I mean, I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose because it's like. Yeah, I started developing really early on, like fourth grade. I remember wearing, my mom got me my first uh, training bra. And then I remember um, a girl named Jamie, one of the popular girls, like uh, snapping it and like people making fun of me. Hmm. And so and then they just like rapidly like grew. I remember sixth grade, Lisa, Lisa uh, told everybody that I stuffed my bra like in the sixth grade. And so, you know, it's like, that's such a specific kind of attention and bullying. It's interesting. It's like the sexuality and you get piece that. is yeah. different than, oh, you're under. It's it's so weird. It's like the underdeveloped thing is a very specific kind of torture. The over, quote unquote, overdeveloped thing at a certain age is a very specific kind of torture. And it's very intimate in a way that just like, I never got teased about anything sexual. I got bullied but it was just like personality bullying. It was just general, like mean bullying. Yeah. But nobody ever was pointing to my breasts or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, so that's so specific. I get that. And then there would just be leers from old men and not understanding or fully knowing, but knowing it wasn't so uncomfortable. Right. And yeah. wasn't, it doesn't feel right, but not knowing how to act. But then from the outside, looking like I was mature when I really wasn't, you know? Mm. Um, acting like I was mature when I really wasn't. That was that was my my MO because after after um my hip hop stage I went into young professional which is very <laughs> where I Fantastic. wouldn't wear jeans. Try it all wear, on. Yeah. But yeah, guys, guys, I mean, I didn't have like my first boyfriend, my first like real boyfriend um was like 14. He was like kind of a, a hit, like a uh down home boy from he was Cam- Cambodian and he was like hip hop too. Um, and I lost my virginity to him at 14. But truly... I, mean, I would say that's early. Yeah, I think that's early. Definitely, I think that's early. To Red Light Special by TLC on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> 1994. Oh, my. Um, in a... In a small apartment in St. Paul. <laughs> I wish I could remember what music I was listening to when I lost my virginity. Really? I still know the guy I lost it to. I could just call him up and see if he remembers. Oh, wow. We were, we were real into Dire Straits, Romeo and Juliet for a while. <laughs> now I feel bad laughing about it. No, don't feel but bad. But really, it was, don't yeah. feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> you were a child. Or oh, how old were you? Bless. 16. Yeah. But I don't think I we were like, listening to that. I know. <laughs> no, you were. we were both children. Yeah. You were even more of a child. Yeah. Um... I do remember, I mean, we definitely, but I don't think that was what I was playing anyway. But see, that's like, but see, okay, so I had sex when I was 14. I didn't have sex again until I was 19. That's so interesting. Mm. That is a similar experience that I had. And I talked about it on the podcast with, I think, Natasha, um, because I think, I don't know how common that is, but I haven't had that. I've never met another person. Really? I, no, I didn't. I didn't wait that long at all. I think I waited like a year, year and a half, but it's unusual. I think to do that and then take such a long hiatus. Yeah. If, you, if you're, if you're consensually doing it. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, yeah, it was, it was like that. 
guess say young kitty sex <laughs> maybe you guys just picked the wrong song I'm, I'm totally no, kidding I mean, it was great it wasn't yeah. a bad experience yeah. we did it more than once <clears throat> yeah um i broke up with him uh my mom was really good at like scaring scaring me to death about getting pregnant like she was really really big on that but so th- these times in between like i didn't really date guys like in the hip hop, those those were the only guys that were kind of like interested in me. But my my peers, the ones that I had been gone through like elementary, middle school, and I've always, and I wanted them to, but they, I was just their buddy. I was just their little buddy. I wasn't a tr- they they weren't attracted to me. Like they and when it, there were so many times when somebody like it would come out like in middle school or in freshman, even up into senior, where I was like, oh, I, I like him, and then it would get back to them, and they'd they'd cold shoulder me or they'd ice me out just to like, so you know I don't like you. (laughs) Wow. So it's like I didn't, I I didn't realize, I knew that I had big boobs and that was always a thing, but I wasn't considered pretty. I I think I can easily say that. Like I, Mm. I remember so popular going, like my senior year, like in the prom picture, she's like, you look really beautiful, like being so surprised in like yeah. this group picture we did, you know? And and then I didn't feel until I went to California to go to FITM, to go to the Fashion Institute, and then I came back, and then, then I don't, again, I grew up in Egan, which is a suburb of St. Paul, so it's predominantly white in a, you know, a white state, so I don't know if like guys started going to colleges and seeing different types of girls and they, you know, you're not with the same people that they started to get. To like, have more of an open mind. And- yeah, a little touch of yellow fever. I don't know. All of a sudden, it was like I, I became exotic. Uh-huh. But growing up, I wasn't exotic. I was just different and I hated that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was not the same. So, yeah, yeah but yeah. But then... Then as I got older, then it was then it turns into a fat. It it can easily go into a fetish. Yeah, that like, was my it, next question. Yeah, yeah, that's so, that's. Let's talk about that because that's that's also really. I mean, gosh, could you have had a different experience than me? Like for so much that you and I have in common, I think emotionally, and there's there are so many things that I instinctively feel like we both kind of understood about each other once we started to get to know each other, which took kind of a long time because we were sort of like the passing in the hall of the UCB world. Like, hey, Kulop, hey, Janet. Um, It was that retreat, you guys. That really was a turning point. It was, it's true. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, the the idea of being fetishized in that way, I can't even relate to because I just feel like I'm so bland <laughs> in that way. And look, I'm fetishizing you by just describing myself as bland because that by default suddenly puts you in a totally different category. Yeah. And I, I'm not even like hung up. I'm just thinking about like because you're so beautiful and so like um sweet valley High, let me both let me t- oh my god that's so <laughs> gross i never wanted to be that well you're so oh. beautiful like i don't like i'm just like oh you're both jessica and elizabeth oh jessica and elizabeth gross <laughs> always wanted to be rizzo always had to play sandy that is it in a nutshell i just want you know what you look like the character that i play that, that my cartoon is that's Cora? what I, yeah i'm like listen kulop is more core than i am I, That's um, what I want. But I think, you know, going back to what, <clears throat> when I say like uh, a threat and being comfortable with that, um, because growing up being a threat or being sexual, 
um, led to me uh, being uh, physically and emotionally trespassed upon by people and actually owning that power and maybe threats not the way to put it but i was used to be so afraid because if i was a threat to my guy friend's girlfriend then that was a problem right and that needed to be overcome by putting my voice really high and trying to make everything okay sure. being being that or or being sexual because um in my past i have been sexually abused that is a problem so trying to figure out how to have power in my sexuality how to express myself sexually and that me being sexual or or looking the way i look is not an invitation for these things and this stuff is not my fault like that's not something but that goes back to even with my parents of just like well if i got hit well see what happened here is like let me let me dissect this i made that wrong choice there now if i would have not mention that part or if I would have covered my tracks here. So then I would take it all on on myself of like how I could have. But when you, that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of energy. Uh, to I try can, to I can, again, going back to this, just sheer exhaustion of yeah. it all. And I, here's what's hard for me. And it's funny because you know me to be super emotional because we've had a lot of, you know, we've had these intimate exchanges where we've opened up about this kind of stuff, but I don't, I'm a I'm a fairly sympathetic person on the podcast, but I don't think I've ever like out and out started crying. I've been pretty close this entire podcast. Maybe it's just because I'm sick and tired. Yeah. Um, but the the thing that I struggle with so much, and I don't mean to make this a downer episode at all, because what I'm about to say is actually quite positive, is that you have achieved so much and continue can continue to achieve so much. Not just professionally, but personally and emotionally. And you're in a wonderful relationship with someone that you love. You're married. You have wonderful friends that I respect immensely. Um, But I just see how hard you work to work through all of the stuff that you had to go through when you were younger. And you're working so much to get through that stuff that I just want to send your soul on a vacation you know what i mean like i just want to send you somewhere where you you can stop working because i feel like you've worked your entire life whether it was working to cope with your circumstances or working to get away from those circumstances working to please other people working to be accepted or to be overlooked in a way that made you feel safer than if you were getting attention and even all of these wonderful things that you're doing with your career and your writing and your podcast and all of that, you're just, you're just working so hard. And so I guess what I, I just wish I could like just send you somewhere where you could just relax and be waited upon hand and foot for a, at least a year. Well, Cause I don't know where your strength comes from, but I'm so in awe of it and I admire it so much. I mean, I think the truth is, is that I'm on that. I'm living in that Island right now. Like all of this work is not so that I, 
so that I can come into this room and I can be here with you and I can not be worried that I'm repeating myself from other podcasts because I'm here with you and I'm answering your questions fully and with thought and in the presence. And that's what all this work is for. And this is the reward for the work. And the fact that I am close with you and we are intimate, that I can share with you these things, that's the reward and that's the island. And that's, I haven't, I haven't felt so full and so aware of it really ever. And so, uh, my friend, I was talking to my friend, uh, Hassan Minaj, and he was um, telling me he also has immigrant uh, parents and uh he and his group of friends who have similar backgrounds, they talk about the immigrant hustle and how it's just like, yeah, you know, we're hustling. We're just trying to make it work. And he's like, you know, cool up. You really just need to think like for us, like how far you've come from where your parents have. And in the sense of like, for a lot of people, it's generations to get to the point where I am right now. You know, again, I'm first born in this country to kind of give myself that credit, not credit, but, let that kind of power me, this sort of, that immigrant hustle, you know? Yeah. And um, to kind of, you know, this these last three years is just, it's been going through the fire. It's been, it's been trying to figure out how not to be weighed down by everything that happened or the wish that it was different or fantasize how, my parents could have been better parents or how I could have made better use of my time of just letting myself actually just breathe here and be. And it's, it's a way more pleasurable life and I don't work hard to be human (laughs) as much as I did before. (laughs) Like, Yeah. yeah. And so now I can work hard at the things that I think are I, I want to work hard on is my relationships, my husband, to possibly becoming, to being a mom soon to my career and not be bogged down by the, the uncertainty and the mistrust, well, of myself, like basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's, that's, it's a, it's a better life. If there, and, Perhaps you've been asked this before, but I I think my question when I started this podcast would have been for young women out there who are listening to this, who may be in feeling trapped in situations like this. The life of the podcast has been such that I have listeners of all ages and and people who are in all walks of life and, 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 and perhaps feel trapped not as children or as adolescents or as young people, but as adults, is there, I mean, it feels so pat to say like, what advice would you give? But I, I do feel like that's another wonderful gift that you're able to give and hopefully receive back from just in being in a place where you could offer that up. Do you think that there's something that people can do for themselves to alleviate some of that weight if they're going through that feeling of, of being trapped or of not knowing themselves or being afraid to be strong. I mean, I'm kind of a broken record. I think, 
I do think everybody should be in therapy. <laughs> like I, I really, I really do. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I think, I think even you and I growing up, there was like a stigma to it, but I think it's hopefully more, it's not that you're, cra- it, well, I am, I think that I, I'm a fun crazy. <laughs> That's what I think. Oh, but it's delightful, that, delicious crazy. Yeah. You're not, you know, it's not like you, it's not, a, when you go to a therapist, you're not going to a sanitarium. Like, right. But I think therapy, I think talking to, you know, I, I, for me, if, if it's similar, my, I had a lot, I, and I, I still have some that I, ha- I won't let go of, but my family, our culture and my family was a lot, very secretive as, um, you know, you just didn't talk about things outside of the family. I mean, I, I did too much talking with, <laughs> with my parents and it was part of the problem too about it, but um, talking about it, t- finding talking to people who know, yeah, who get it, and if it's yeah, talking, it's so precious. And you know that feeling of I talk about that with a, a girlfriend of mine who, you know, in relationships that she's chosen in her case in heterosexual relationships with men, but this can be true for anyone with family members or friendships or, you know, whatever relationship you're in romantically, uh, how, how important that feeling of being known is and that we are social creatures and that there's nothing wrong with that. And that feeling known and understood on a really deep level and feeling respected through everything that makes you who you are is irreplaceable. And guys, talking to yourself will make you sick. Figuring things out. It, it, it's one thing to think about things and to truly think and breathe into thinking, but it's another thing when you're sitting by yourself and you're having conversations about and essentially with people but not with them it's that's a lot crazier than that's making yourself a lot crazier than going to a therapist would in terms of stigma yeah yeah because if you have trouble you have problems that that you this is from somebody who uh i have i've pushed a lot down like i've pushed a lot down i've shoved food into and drink into um when I felt that or, you know, just to, just to numb things down, but it, these, these are just, you're just depositing into an account that keeps getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And I don't have the, and what happens is then you don't know how to deal with sadness, anger and all of that. And that's the stuff that will make you sick and will make you not close to the people you want to be close with. And it will limit your pleasure in life. So talk about it. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop because I'm crying again. But um, cool off. Thank you so much. I've, you know, we've talked about you doing the podcast for ages. And it, uh, it's, it's, I told cool up recently like this is one of those things where you take your friends for granted like elizabeth same hasn't done it you know elizabeth hasn't done it yet either some of my favorite women i haven't been able to schedule with and i think part of that was 
oh, I know they'll be there. Yeah. And suddenly it just rushes up towards you and you and it feels too important to not well, do. Know, and I just, I couldn't yeah. let it go any longer. So, Well, I know it's like with Elizabeth too. It's like, I know you guys have scheduled it. She's been here, but then you get to, you, we need to talk about we need to talk. Yeah, like, oh, that's definitely like, happened. Yeah. yeah, I've had the I've had like the computer open and the microphones are being lifted up with Elizabeth, and then we're like, listen, we got to dish <laughs> on some stuff that has nothing to do with the podcast, which is a wonderful. That's a luxury, a friendship luxury problem to have. So, um, so I'm 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 grateful for that. But I'm so glad that I had had you on, and um, and I I just uh, think you're amazing. You're an mm. amazing woman. So. I think you're fantastic and gorgeous. Guys, With a wonderful voice. Oh can we even tell that she's sick? Can we? Oh, Only we can tell. Only because she said it. Only oh, because we can she tell. said it. Um, uh, guys, I, as always, I welcome your your questions and your comments and... Um, you know, uh, this is this is one of the heavier uh, episodes. The one with Maria was fairly recent, and um, you know, it sounds like a lot of people got a little something out of it. And I hope that you, uh, some of you, experience something similar with this one. And um, you know, I just want to thank everybody for your sensitivity. I, I couldn't be more blessed in terms of having sensitive, bright, caring, funny, intuitive listeners, and the and the comments that I get. Uh, speak to that entirely and um and so thank you for that because it makes me feel very safe bringing a friend like Kulap in and I'm crying again it makes me feel very safe to offer her up to you so um thank you guys so much and uh and and we'll see you next time on the podcast As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.